I'm Liam Printer, and this is The Motivated Classroom. Hello, bonjour, Falcha. Welcome to the Motivated Classroom podcast. Gurmila Mahagav, thank you to everyone for joining, downloading, sharing, listening. I cannot believe that we have hit 50,000 downloads of the podcast. 50,000 listens is just amazing. I, it is, yeah, I mean... I'm not really often speechless, as listeners will know to this, but I am blown away by those numbers. I genuinely thought when I started this up last July, if I get to kind of three or four thousand listens by the end of the year, that'd be really cool. It would mean that, you know, lots of people are listening to it around the world. But to hit 50,000 has just absolutely taken my breath away. So thank you so much to everyone for sharing, for telling your friends, for posting it on blogs, on Twitter, on social media. And of course, to those patrons who keep the podcast going, a huge thank you to all of you who've joined me on Patreon.com. Last week's episode on motivation and positive emotions and how those two things are linked was really well received. Lots of people getting back to me and saying that they didn't know about a lot of this research about the positive emotions. So go check it out if you haven't listened to it yet. Now, today we're talking much more practical. I'm going to talk about how I structure the year without a textbook. And I don't have a textbook for any of my classes, really. We have a textbook that I dip into now and again just to do the odd photocopy or text here and there. But it's really rare. And actually, this year, I don't think I've used it at all in any really of my classes. So that's what today is about. And it's come from one of the patrons, uh, Margaret Alexi. I hope I pronounced your first name right. Thank you so much for getting in contact about this. Now, you were specifically asking about how I structure each individual class. And that is going to come next week. But today I wanted to give an overview of how I structure the year, how I go about making the year have some sense to it, some order, some structure, but also allowing that really important part of autonomy, both for the student and the teacher, because we know this is fundamental for intrinsic motivation. If we have something that is really strict and everything has to be done at exactly this date and this time, and you must use this text and you must do your exam like this, well, that just quashes all of the freedom and autonomy on the teacher's part, which then means that you are teaching in an autonomy suppressive way, which we know will impact upon students' engagement and motivation and your own motivation as a teacher. So today is all about how I structure that year to give it some kind of a structure and feel, but also to allow it open enough for teachers to do what they want with those concepts and to make it a bit more of their own. Of course, with a comprehensible input approach, an approach that exemplifies natural acquisition of language as opposed to rote learning and drilling and that type of thing. Now, that is not to say that there is no grammar exercises in there or there's no worksheets. Of course, they take a place every now and again, but the focus is definitely on natural acquisition through learning about compelling, interesting things about each other. And as I say, next week, I'll focus more on the individual class. Now, of course, we must start with our Irish word. And our Irish word for today is the word lower. Now, a lower is the word for a book, I suppose, kind of similar to livre or libro. Lower in Irish means book. So there you go. And I also just want to say a Spanish word for the day, which is orgullo, because this is the month of pride. So a huge shout out to all of my LGBTQ plus listeners out there and all my friends from the LGBTQ plus community. I just want to say I'm with you. I stand with you. I'm here for you. 
And if there's any time I can exemplify your voice more on this podcast, please get in touch. I do want this podcast to be about an openness to everyone and an openness to different opinions, to diversity, but also to people that we disagree with about things. That's okay. It's okay to have different opinions, but we're here to learn. We're here to educate. We're here to talk. We're here to listen. So I'll never really understand what it is like to come from an LGBTQ plus background and some of the persecution and oppression that you face throughout your lives. I'll never really understand what that lived experience is like, but I stand. So as a month of pride, our word is orgullo. We're with you all. All right, let's go into this then. So today we are talking about the structure of the year. So what I'm going to do is basically explain to you how we do it here in my school in terms of structuring out our year. So we are part of the International Baccalaureate and I teach the middle years programme, which is essentially students from age 11 to about 15, 16, and then the diploma programme, which is students which are age 17 and 18. Now, I've mentioned this before, but as part of the MYP programme or the diploma programme, so you'll hear me say MYP, middle years programme, DP, diploma programme. As part of these programmes, we teach through concepts. And I've talked about this quite a lot before on the podcast. Concepts such as word choice, communication, culture, empathy, these type of things, that they're the context and concepts we use behind all of the curriculum we teach. Now, there's also a part that's called the ATL skills. Now, ATL skills are approaches to learning skills. So in each unit, we will have at least one skill focus. So that might be on collaboration and managing conflict. It might be on listening actively to other opinions. It might be on managing anger and managing your own emotions. There's all types of them. And we choose one of these that we will explicitly teach to the students that skill as part of the unit. So the reason I start with this is because that already helps to shape what the year will look like. We think about what are our underlying concepts that we want the students to understand by the end of the year and what are the ATL skills that we want them to, I wouldn't say master, but be aware of and be working on. And we really do explicitly teach those. It's not just, okay, guys, I want you to work in a group of four. There you go, tick, I've done collaboration. No, we really try and talk about what is collaboration. What does that actually mean? What does it look like in a group? what is part of collaboration and then we reflect on it and there's all sorts of different ways that we do this and I actually coordinate those in the school we've a meeting about it today actually so that's the first way we do things now behind that of course is the content in terms of I'm a Spanish teacher French teachers will do the same and uh, German teachers the same here in our school and what we will do is we talk we think about understanding recognizing and using the language so I want the students to be able to understand these things I want them to be able to recognize these things in reading and, and listening and then I want them to be able to use these things so they're kind of split up into that way and we decide about what we want them to be able to understand to recognize and to use at the end of each unit and at the end of each year now, of course, it goes without saying that many teachers in my school do not teach in the same way that I do. We have different ways of going about things, and that's why that autonomy is so important. I teach with a lot of comprehensible input strategies like movie talks, special person interviews, picture talks, co-created stories, building of characters, personal questions and answers learning about their histories and other teachers may use more of a textbook or may use more reading or may use more grammar approach but we need to have the same kind of overall goals that we're getting to at the end of the year. So what I'm going to do now is talk a little bit about how I structure my year for the very beginners and then I'll talk a little bit about how I do it for the little bit more of the advanced learners those in their fourth year and you can think about filling in the gap in the middle yourself a little bit otherwise I'll be talking here all day. So 
the beginning phases are called phase one and two, but they've put those together and they're called the emergent level now. So we have three levels in the MYP. They change slightly depending on what language you're speaking, but I think in English they're known as emergent, intermediate and capable. And so emergent is typically your first two years and they're usually broken up into phase one and phase two. So for my phase one students, these are total beginners. Our first unit is who are we? Now, Lots of you listening would say, yeah, that's exactly what our unit is about. Descriptions and who am I? Where do I live? Where am I from? All of these type of questions. But we do it a little bit differently. So we start off with descriptions and we immediately begin with building our invisible character. Now, if you go right back to the beginning of the podcast, you'll find an episode all about creating this invisible character. So that's how we do descriptions. There's lots of autonomy there. Then, of course, we do some stories, some co-created stories together where we build a narrative. And all of this is around those descriptions, what people look like, what they sound like, what their emotions are like, who they are, where am I from? All of those falls into that. But without doing it like my name is, I am. From, I have three brothers and four sisters. We don't do it like that. We do learn about each other through special person interviews, but it's more kind of we learn a little bit about the basic things, but it's also the fun, silly things about sports and foods that you hate and places you'd like to go. And then they write as out the story that we've done as their assessment at the end. So that's typically how it looks. In unit two, we go much more into culture and traditions. So our second unit, again, quite similar to I'm sure many people listening, it revolves all around culture and particularly Dia de Muertos in Mexico and in South America, the Day of the Dead. Now, we also talk about the Reyes Magos, the three kings in Spain in January. So that all comes in. We do this through a little book called Tumba, uh, written by Mira Canyon, which I really like and I think it works very well. And throughout this unit, we're mainly using and listening and reading to the present tense. But of course, some past tense comes in naturally, as it would when you're talking about what happened at the weekend or the holidays or whatever. And at this point in particular, I always make sure that we have some diversity going on in our book. What I'll do is I'll use a book. And if I think that some of the characters in the book are all falling into one stereotype or they're in one place or they're all from one particular ethnicity, then I will invent another character and pretend that I've spoken to the author and there was a secret character that she wanted to tell me about. And so that's what we do in all these books. Now, actually, in the book Tumba, it is a Mexican family, uh, which is really nice. And we use Coco as the movie afterwards to talk about Mexican families. But we also have a gay character who is in this book as a secret character. He comes in as a really good friend and he's gay and that's all there is to it. It's not like that's not a major part of the storyline. He just happens to be gay. That's it. And we also have some people who come from different countries who come in as our other secret characters or secret friends of friends. The students come in and they I might use a student from Pakistan or India or China and they'll be a really good friend of one of the characters in the book. And so we get more repetitions of the structures. But what we're focusing on in that unit too is, again, it's really embedding structures in the present tense about descriptions, telling a story, what is happening at this current time, a bit of your school subjects, a bit of places and going to different things, but really your lots and lots and lots of comprehensible input all about really describing people, places and going to different things. And of course, the culture and the traditions of Mexico and Spain come in there very importantly too. Now, because we focus quite a lot on Mexico and South America in Unit 2, in Unit 3, we do focus quite a lot on Spain in itself. So 
because we're based in Switzerland here, many of the students will actually go to Spain and will have been there. Now, very few of them will have ever been to South America. And I know that's different depending on where you are listening from. So I do like to teach lots about the culture of South America and I've spent time there. But it's also important for me to teach quite a lot about Spain because the students will go there. They'll have been there before. They may have lots of Spanish speaking friends and people from Spain in the school. So that's important to make those connections. And for this one, we use another one of Mira Canyon's books called Picasso y los Agentes Secretos. Um, And this takes place all in Spain and a little bit of France. And it's a kind of a silly little book about them looking for, you know, a secret lance. lance, I was going to say lance. It's called a spear in English from Picasso's painting Guernica. So we get into Picasso and art and we talk about the culture of Spain that way. We get into the map of Spain and where different things are. And we continue to use lots of movie talks and lots of special person interviews to learn about each other in this part. Again, what are our goals at the end of this? The goals are that the students will be able to talk about different parts of Spain, about Picasso, about art, about things that they like and their passions, comparing it mainly to some of the cultural things we learned about from Mexico in a previous unit. So that's how that kind of unit works together. Once again, we try and bring in a little bit of diversity into the book by having secret characters. This year, one of our secret characters happened to be a boy from Venezuela who was disabled. So he had a wheelchair, but he was actually so much faster than everyone else in the book. He was able to get to places much quicker and he played on the basketball team for the school, the wheelchair basketball team. And it was really powerful, you know, just to put this in as a character, not like we're studying this abilities but just there's a character who happens to be disabled it's all good and we had another character who was autistic in one of our secret characters who came in who was friends with the boys from the book and she was autistic and she was someone who really was able to use her mind in really clever and amazing ways but to bring in a little bit of awareness that she saw the world a little bit differently and we brought this in and we talked about it some of the students had brothers or sisters or cousins who were autistic and we learned a little bit about them and who they were and really I suppose the goal of these secret characters are coming in now and again to the book is just to show that the world is a great diverse place with all kinds of different people and different cultures and different ethnicities and different things going on. And I really love doing that. And actually, I heard this in a podcast recently, the Page Practice podcast, great podcast, you should check it out. And they were talking about a book called Diversity in Schools. And one of the things in that book that they talk about is finding differences that our students have and celebrating them like really finding them. What is it that makes you different? Because that is the stuff that we want to celebrate, not the fact that you all wear the same trainers and you all play the same sports. What makes you different? And once you know that, that's what we celebrate. And so that's why we bring these characters in, that they're different. And it's to try and get the students to hopefully see a bit of themselves, a bit of their families, a bit of their culture in the stories that we are doing in class. So that's our third unit. The final unit then that we do. So typically in each of these classes is four units. And that I do that for all of my year groups. The odd time we'll have a fifth one. Some people have six units. I personally prefer to do four units in depth than six units really quickly, like touching on things. That's my own personal approach. And also let you in on a secret. If I only do four units, I only have to do four tests. And that is the honest truth. Like the research would show us that high stakes testing, testing that has a number on it, is just not good for intrinsic motivation and students and their well-being. So I try and cut those down as much much as I possibly can. I literally do the bare minimum of testing that I have to do to keep the reports going and everything. I do loads of formative assessment, lots of stuff which is comment only and talking about their progress, but 
really the summative tests, the ones that are scary, that have a number, that go on your report, I do the absolute minimum of those. And that's genuinely just the way I do things because the research would show us they are not motivating. In fact, they do the opposite. They are demotivators. Those students who are A students who are going to do really well, they don't need those. They're going to do really well anyway. It's the middle of the road students and the ones who are maybe not doing as well as others when they see that they've got a C or a D or a low mark they can switch off and think I'm not able for this no matter how hard we try and show them that no, we keep working, you'll get there. So we just cut them out. Don't do them as often. They they don't really help as much as we think they help. OK, there's my rant about assessments. So finally, the last unit is my house and area. Now, this is actually a great unit. The students love it. So again, this is really trying to me to fit in the box with my type of teaching. So I understand that the other teachers might be doing a unit to do with the house and the area and they might have very traditional ways of doing that with lists about the area and the house and the vocabulary that goes in it and thinking carefully about how we talk about these things and reading different passages about different houses and different areas, which is all good if that's the way you want to do it. For me personally, what we do is I use this unit to really talk about Pride, Pride Month, Pride Festival people with disabilities, amenities for them, are they available? People who come from different ethnicities and have different houses around the world. And what we do is the students devise something called the house of their dreams. But before, in the past, they used to just do that. But they all did kind of the same thing, like these ultra crazy modern houses and really expensive, like huge screens and big pitches and everything. But what I do now is I try and show them really innovative houses that are quite different first. So I find some videos on YouTube about innovative houses from all over the world, from Latin America, from different places, and also like really basic houses that are very little in them, but give you a really great sense of well-being. And then now they create it. But also we talk about, well, you need to think carefully because remember, you're going to have friends that have disabilities that are going to need access to this house. So how are you going to do that? You're going to have friends who may come to visit your house who may be autistic. So what are you going to do in terms of the sounds and the sights? Is there going to be a room that is really calm for them? How are we going to work with that? You're going to have people come who are in a wheelchair and want to play basketball or who want to access your pool, but are maybe don't have any legs. What are you going to do there? So we think really carefully about making sure our house is open to everybody. And then, of course, we get into the diversity side and say, you've also got to prove to me that the house of your dreams shows it is open to other cultures and races and ethnicities. How can you show me that in your house? And they'll talk about artefacts and different rooms with music from the indigenous people in Colombia. And then they'll have another room that is, you know, about uh, black history and all these cool things. And this all comes from them. It's their creativity. And what they have to do then is sell the house of their dreams in groups and they use persuasive language, no notes. And that is the goal, that by the end of the year, they are able to sell the house of their dreams using persuasive language after having written a speech with confidence, all done in Spanish with no notes. Now, the no notes things does scare them a little bit, but actually they have their plan of their house right in front of them, which is labelled. And so they can use that almost as notes. But that is how we end the year. And it just shows them how far they've come. They're able to talk about this with real passion and the amenities and what around and then give their own story and why they like it, why they chose it, why is it like that. They have to make that personal connection to it too. And it's a really great unit, especially for the diversity. It really gets them to see and focus that the world that they're living in is maybe very white centric or maybe it's very European centric or maybe it doesn't really think about people with disabilities or people with autism or 
people from other sexualities? How do we make them feel welcome in our houses, in our spaces, in our towns, in our amenities? How can we welcome everybody, even people that we don't agree with? How do we do that? And it makes them think about this at a young age, 12, 13, when they're doing this. So that's phase one. And that is the first year. And that is how we go about it. In terms of grammar, we don't really have specific grammar things that we're trying to get through all the time. It's more that by the end of the year, they can, those three things, understand, recognise, use. So understand the present tense when used for descriptions, describing houses, cultures, Dia de Muertos, Reyes Magos, all of these different cultural things that they can really understand these. They can recognise the past tense when reading and they can listen to it and hear it because we do a story in the past tense. So they start to recognise that, oh, at the end, if there's an O and an accent, that usually means past tense. That's the kind of recognition we're looking for, which in second language acquisition is called noticing. And they can use persuasive language to sell the house of their dreams. They can use the language to tell a story, to write a story, to talk about their classmates, to talk about diversity, to talk about areas that are welcoming in their town. They can use the language to describe each other, to tell a story. That's the kind of things we're looking for in year one. Now, there's just no way I'll have enough time to go into detail on year two, three, four, five, etc. Essentially, in years two and three, We're working on really making sure we embed being able to notice the different tenses when they're reading and listening and then start to use them. So being able to flick in between the past and the present and a bit of future tense. And we do themes like immigration, acceptance of others. We work on empathy. We talk about cultural traditions that are maybe quite controversial, like bullfighting. But why is it important to do that so that they can learn about other perspectives and other people's opinions, even if they completely disagree with it? When we get to year four, at this stage, they're getting a bit more advanced and we do units on things like freedom, freedom of speech that disappeared in Argentina. We listen to songs from indigenous people and why we need to make sure that we work together with indigenous people to in order to have a really proper celebration of culture and what it means and where people come from. We do a unit called Now and Then in which we get them to interview their parents and their grandparents about what life was like before in terms of diversity and equality and equal rights, but also in terms of technology, what has changed and kind of getting the students to almost teach their parents the importance of equality and diversity and that it's a good thing that we talk about homosexuality and different ethnicities and different cultures and disabilities in our Spanish class. And we read a little book with that. We watch the movie La Lengua de las Mariposas in the time of the butterflies, I think it's called in English. Our next unit is all about being a teenager. And we talk about plus size models, diversity in fashion and the media. Do we see people that represent all of us? What is beauty? What does it mean? What is it to be strong when the boys talk about going to the gym and being strong? What does that mean? Does it mean that that's more important than the strength of your mind or the strength of your reasoning or the strength of reading and educating yourself? Getting them to see strength from a different thing. We talk about body image. We talk about social media, all of these pressures that are there. It's a really great unit. They they really get into that one. And we also at this stage really start to look at Hispanic music and we do a little oral assessment on misogyny in music and why we need to stand up against misogyny in music. And we they bring in songs that have misogynistic words in them and they play them and we stop them and we analyse and say, this is just unacceptable. You cannot use words like this. What message is that sending to women or to the sexualization of women for this? Or what message is that sending about men? Do, do you Are you happy to call yourself a man and listen to music like this? Really, is that what it means to sexualize all the time? And we get them to think about these things in deep 
real meaningful way and they loved that project of presenting the songs and talking about why we need to pick them apart and if you hear someone listening to them to say hey do you actually know what that means do you understand what you're singing there about from Hispanic music because there is unfortunately quite a lot of misogyny in in Hispanic music so we're trying to attack that and they loved that and then the last unit really feeds into this one it's follow your passion when we read Poet X talked about this in recent episodes by Elizabeth Acevedo she's a black female Hispanic author and in the book, she has a gay brother and who's an absolute genius. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. Highly recommend it. There are a couple of scenes in there that are a little bit mature that you need to be careful with. And what I did before I taught these scenes that are a bit mature, I spoke to the school counsellor and just said, look, there's a sex scene here. There's this scene that comes up about masturbation. So what should I do with this? Do you think it's OK? And she was really like, look, we need to normalise a lot of these conversations. We need to make sure that we are making it not a shameful thing to talk about. We have sex education in this school. We need to talk openly and frankly about these things. So if you're comfortable with it, don't shy away from it and make it something that is hidden and shameful. Just talk about it, but briefly mention it. That's okay. Now, of course, it depends on how comfortable you are with it, but the school has got an approach where we are open and we're talking about things and we're talking about feelings and desires and we have a sex education programme that we really, as teachers of 16, 17 year olds, should not shy away from these topics, even if they can be a bit challenging for us. So, yeah, that's how that worked. And then finally, what they do is they choose a text type that we've written all year, like a blog, an email, a formal letter, and they'll write a text from the perspective of someone in the book to another member of the book. And that's how that we finish the year. This is a brilliant unit. It, honestly, they get so into it. And it's such a brilliant book for discovering about what women go through, a particularly young women who happen to develop physically quite early because she's really clear about this in the book. And as a man, as a white man reading this book, it completely opened my eyes to what it's like for a woman, for a black woman, for a black Hispanic woman to grow up in a place where she doesn't look and sound like everybody else. And it was absolutely really opened my eyes and I felt really emotional. And there's a really strong teacher element in the in there as well. She's got a great relationship with her teacher and it opened my eyes about what it means to be a good teacher as well. Highly recommend this book. And I talk about this with the students, particularly to the boys in the class. I say, you know, what are you learning about women and what it feels like to be a woman and the first time you get your period in school? Like, what, what are you learning about that now? Because I didn't think about this as a teenager. But reading this now, I'm having a bit more empathy and I'm thinking about it. And they really get into it and they really realise, yeah, wow, the world is different. It is not. This is not my experience as a, as a young white man that the same experience as a young black f- woman has had. It's very different, actually. And it's about that understanding. So a brilliant book for these themes and, and they love it. And it's a great way to segue into the diploma programme. So that's essentially how we, we do the, the more advanced classes. And again, it's all through concepts like empathy, point of view, understanding, communication, culture. And of course, we concentrate a bit more on the more complex structures using the subjunctive and different things like that, mainly through reading and then trying to put it slowly into what we're using. But we always start with recognition. Ah, that ended up being quite a long episode. I'm almost at 30 minutes, so my apologies. But I just thought it was important. Next week, I will talk about how I structure an individual class because a lot of people are asking me about that. What do I do at the beginning, middle and end of a class? And again, just to say, these are just my thoughts and the way I do things. I'm not telling you that this is how you have to do it. What I'm hoping is maybe it sparks an interest. You go, oh, I might try that one thing. I might have a go at that little thing. I might read that book. Great. 
and then you decide what works for you. Your autonomy is really important. So let's remember the Irish word for today was lower, meaning book, because it's just so important. Happy Pride Month to everyone who is listening. Please make sure you talk about it in your classes and you amplify those voices of everyone who is there. Gurumila Mahagav, August Slanawalia. The Motivated Classroom Podcast is an original production by Liam Printer. I'm at Liam Printer on Twitter, and my YouTube channel is Liam Printer The Motivated Classroom. Full podcast notes with links to resources are available on my website, liamprinter.com. For more, find and follow The Motivated Classroom Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Graphics and music are provided by Paul Mahan. Intro clips are thanks to the wonderful multilingual staff at the International School of Lausanne.